Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway live on this Labor Day 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Over the next three hours, football, 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 college football discussion, We'll look ahead to week one across the NFL and much more. And what is a radio-only show today? Throwing it back, old school. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Our audience rejoices. They don't have to look at my face uh, for the next three hours. So this is great. Very old school approach to uh, not looking up and seeing a monitor with our faces shining back upon us. (laughs) Just looking over to my right, seeing you guys. Looking ahead, seeing Davey. Looking to my left, seeing Colin. No one else in our studio here at Sixth and Peabody. It's um, not going to lie, a little refreshing. <laughs> it's a little Everything refreshing. Everything else is very normal. Not this being place so is jammed on uh, this Labor Day. Paul, how are you? I think all of the uh, people who are responsible for putting our face on the air just got sick of it and decided to uh, give people a yeah, rest. They said, you know what? Our, our labor on this Labor Day is having to watch <laughs> you three bozos every single day. So on this Labor Day, we will not look at you for a day. I'm good. Been a stressful couple days at the Kuharski house with a, a bad accident for Simon who broke a finger really badly. I sent you guys an x-ray on Saturday and uh, Teresa's birthday yesterday took a turn for the tending to pain um, as Simon came off his meds. So uh, two big two-week check-in where hopefully he won't need surgery to follow it up and uh, four to six-week timeline. So hopefully on the quick end of that, but he was beating himself up for diving for a ball he knew he wasn't going to get. And we said, hey, you're a baseball player. Baseball players go to practice, and they dive for balls they know they yeah. aren't going to get. And you just had really bad luck, but uh, a really awful break of his finger and awful luck. So I hope he's feeling better today with mom at home. Acetaminophen and uh, Advil and Tylenol seem insufficient after you do something like that as you're easing back. So... We uh, wish him the best, for sure. Thanks. That's a yeah, very painful, painful process when that happens. What's the cast like? It's, it's like a soft wrap that's, I guess, gotten a, its tightness is, is the key to it. So I'm anxious for him to get to the hand specialist this week who will splint it in some form. Yesterday, he was complaining that the tightness of the cast was part of the pain. But it's not an autographable cast. Yeah. I once broke my thumb playing baseball. It's the only <laughs> bone in my body I've, I've broken. And it was a hard cast. They, that was my right hand. Was it dude. a slide or a dive? I was, I was at bat. I got hit by a pitch. Ooh. Colby Ooh. King, the guy that smoked wind sticks, hit me. <laughs> um, Teammate? No. Oh. This was just this like was a Babe the... Ruth league. Yeah. And um, I, it was inside pitch, and I just I was I don't know how I was gripping my bat, but I, I turned, turned in. I turned away, tried to get out of the way without Cut bailing. Your top hand? I didn't bail yet. Caught my top thumb, and I did not bail out of the way. I just moved my shoulders back, and it popped me my mom just thought it was jammed and i did too uh bruised up swollen you know just looked like a really bad hit like a a jammed thumb 
And, um, you know, four days later, it looked worse. And it wasn't, it wasn't turning colors. It just, you know, it looked worse. And so they took me to the doctor, and sure enough, it was cracked. I ran to the car to get the ice packs out of uh, the kit that Teresa has in her car. And by the time I got to him with his mom near the dugout, I, and I had braced for it to look bad, you know, and have a brave face. I mean, it was hanging at a very awkward, ugly angle. It looked like something out of a movie. And, uh, you know, o- only later did it say, when you're having a conversation, you say, yeah, Sam, Simon, it looked really bad. And so there's some app, I can't remember what it's called, it's like B Now or something, that all the kids have that, like, sends you a message once a day. And it's like, what are you doing right now or what's going on right now? And every kid, like, then posts something. And so his message came, like, while he was in the hospital bed, like, for 15 minutes. And he's like, Dad, take a picture of it. And so he, his B now or whatever it is, was a picture of his hand looking like that. And, like, every kid from school that's on the app was like, oh, wow, what happened? He was a social media star. He's got some street cred now. You, You face an injury like that, and kids look at you a different way. Uh, shout out to uh, our partners across the Outkick Network, uh, listening in, Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri, 101.3 and 1560. Shout out there. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, a huge thank you to Sports Radio 104.7 in Cookville, as well as 94.9 The Fan right here in Nashville. Among our radio partners with us live today on this Labor Day, as you get around, if you're recapping the football, if you're... Looking ahead to the the week that will be in the NFL, we, we've got you covered. Guys, over the week, what was your biggest takeaway from the college football weekend? Well, I, I'll, I'll start. Um, we were all wrong on Florida and how good they were going to be in year one under Billy Napier because Anthony Richardson looks like a transcendent-type performer at, at quarterback. Awesome. and. It really is amazing that he wasn't the starter full-time a year ago for the entire season, and it's one of the big failings of, of Dan Mullen. But that game, I come away from that game, though, still thinking, man, Utah may be as good as we thought they were coming into the season. They're Florida good. just may be better. We and always know night. that Vegas knows something. You know, it's a one-and-a-half-point line for a reason. Throw those – Throw the. here's another thing, too. Throw the preseason rankings completely out the window when evaluating these games. And I look at two games for that reason. Utah, Florida, and Oregon, Georgia. Oregon is no more a top 15 team than anyone that I've seen. They were terrible. And they are not going to be a very good football team this year also. Those are my two big takeaways. There's plenty of other ones to get into, though. Brian Kelly coached horribly leading up to this. I think a new coach, if your special teams are incredibly bad, and this is four plays bad, not one, that is completely – and they, they made a change on the, on the PAT slash field goal team, and that got burned. I thought, I thought he was going to make a fool of himself at the postgame press conference, and I thought he actually handled himself quite well, calmed down and said all the things that you need to say in a situation like that. So I was impressed by him there. But you cannot go into your first game as a new coach at a school that has pretty good talent – be in a game like that and lose it on four special teams plays when you probably could have won it by 10 if you had made those plays and not gotten bailed out by another big mistake by your opponent. 
I think special teams gaffes in a crucial starting game are a telltale sign of under-preparation, under-coaching. Well, that's saying something because Mike Norvell was way worse last night than Brian Kelly. I feel like they both tried to coach their way out of the win. Uh, you know, Mike, Mike Norvell, I, I get, like, he deserves to have some emotion after the game because of all the bad yeah, fortune they've had, like too. He won a war. But a lot of that bad fortune is bad coaching by him. So, uh, Paul, you're right. I mean, the, the gaffes, they made the change, and then they give up the blocked extra point. And that at guy the got end. through very easily. Somehow... Florida State fumbles to allow that drive pitch. to happen. You can't pitch there. And, yeah, it's just – it's crazy. And the, Brian Polian is the one coach that followed Brian Kelly to to from Notre Dame to LSU, and he's the special teams coach. And that, that happened in that game. Um, that's not my big takeaway, though. The um, I'm with uh, – Chad's right on Florida. We were wrong on Florida. The, the I, think, I, I felt like Florida State, LSU – Physically, those two teams are very similar, right? The I felt like we saw two teams that we expected to see from Florida State and LSU. Um, in fact, we had the over-under, what was it, seven and a half wins, and it came down to if they were going to beat Florida State and if they're going to beat Tennessee. Yeah. And they needed, so they lose that game. My big takeaway is how physically dominant Georgia was over Oregon. And... I'm trying to decide if I learned more about Georgia or Oregon in that game, believe it or not, because Oregon was awful. But what a performance by Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense. We can get to the defense in a moment. That only Oregon only scored three points. But Oregon was a 17-point underdog and lost by 46. <laughs> Consider, like, it... it that's how bad that game was and how efficient Georgia was. They scored on what set all seven of their first seven possessions. They went down and scored. They're back. And uh, there is no hesitation. Uh, we, had, we, we didn't have a big conversation, guys, about if Georgia was going to be the top in the East. Or, uh, I didn't expect them, them to come out and look like they just roll it back out there as easily as they did against Oregon that that to me is the big takeaway is there is still the cream of the crop and while Utah also loses it's Oregon that really lost the weekend so I have not checked the 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 odds to see how it's moved but Stetson Bennett has got to be up there now in Heisman discussion he's that good I mean there's there's no disguising it the way he played in that game he's terrific um Georgia Alabama did exactly what I thought they were going to do. Made the rest of America depressed at the end of this weekend. You know who else helped make them feel a lot better about themselves? Ohio State, who I did not think was very impressive in, a, in an ugly win over Notre Dame in an ugly game. Marcus Freeman's getting a lot of praise for their performance. I thought it was admirable. They hung in there and played a lot better than I thought against Ohio State. I also felt like in the last five minutes, he coached like a guy trying to cover the spread, quite frankly. That's the kind of game I can't stand. Because like Notre Dame, you knew, like, all right, they play really well out of the gate. And then it came to a point where like it looked like they weren't going to be able to do anything more on offense. And it was just a matter of how much Ohio State was going to do and how much they were going to win by. There was no hope for me in the second half, really, that Notre Dame was going to do any more. 
right? And if they were going to have won that game, they were going to have to have scored two more touchdowns in the first half when they had control of the game. And you knew they weren't good enough to do that. So, like, it, it felt like, oh, there's a lot of potential here, but you knew there really wasn't. Um, uh, well, I, I look at Notre Dame as way better than I thought. Yeah, they were better. I mean, I, th- there's a lot of potential there. Um, and Notre Dame went in and acted like they were a top-10 team. Yeah, they're going like, to be they, good on defense. Which they are. All year. And, and, that's, and that's Marcus Freeman's side of the ball. So that, that's no huge surprise. And, and you know what, though? They, they played like a team that was coached by Marcus Freeman, who said, we have to be ready from the jump to attack. He said that on practice number one. We pointed that out on the show. And I'm watching that game going, man, this this game, they, they only allowed 253 total yards. Their run defense was great. Uh, less than three yards uh, uh, per carry allowed by Ohio State in that game. I mean, Ohio State's defense was also to be commended, but it was Notre Dame's defense that I felt like lived up to the task of a 21-10 final, but it was way closer for the good portion of that game, I'm thinking we may see the biggest upset of the weekend, and it's coming from a, a program where we're not we're not expecting this game to be close, but it should be in, in all reality. Yeah, and, it's and a job well done. It, it was no, I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from uh, from Notre Dame. I just thought the punt when they're down two scores with four minutes left, and the way they played it, not using timeouts. It was just weird to me that you know you 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 talked about the approach up and we're going to go for it from day one. We got to be ready to get after it. And then it's yeah, we're not going to win this game, so let's get out of here covering the spread. Well, they made it's them kind of the way it was. Well, they the made end. them drive ninety five yards on fourteen plays. Um, they, their defense was going to win it. I like Buckner, but their defense is how they they were going to have to. They needed Ohio State to turn it over late and give them great field position to go punch it in. Because Ohio State's D was that good, too. Ohio State, by the way, two elite backs. Because mine Williams looked very good behind Henderson. That, du- that duo, both guys are going to stay fresh. Yes. That's going to benefit. So Ohio State plays two very easy games over the next two weeks. Notre Dame should win their next seven games now, based on the team I saw this past weekend. Yeah, Notre Dame's going to be good. Um, and going back to Utah, Florida, where I started, I think Utah's going to be just fine. In the Pac-12 out there, they should have won the game. I mean, they got stuffed at the goal line because they had a running back slip and fall that would have walked into the end zone on the first drive of the second half. And then the one thing you can't do is throw an interception when you've got a chip shot field goal to tie it to go into overtime. And Cam Rising, I have no idea why he threw that Terrible. ball. Threw it Terrible. right into double coverage and threw a pick. To end the game. Yeah, I don't think he saw that. He clearly didn't see the linebacker or the safety that came over. But that, well, that it was, wasn't a good throw. It was the second for, time it happened on that drive, that too. Because one anyway. guy dropped one also. There was somebody coming hard despite, from behind. Despite all and, that, Cam Rising played great. He played like a guy that was ready for a moment that threw a pick on the four-yard. They're going to be fine. There is a overriding sentiment I have about that game, though, that we are, we've only scratched the surface on, and it ties in to Georgia-Oregon in a weird way because Oregon Chad you're right they have no business being ranked what were they 11th yes no business being ranked 11th Uh, Utah went on the road and played like a team we thought would go in and, and and compete and play well a battle of the trenches but there's an overriding sentiment about Utah that I can't help but point to based on the result of of Saturday night and we've got we're going to dive 
headfirst into what Georgia did to, to Oregon. Arkansas-Cincinnati is another one we need to hit on. Plus, we've got some, some games under the radar that were superb Oof. with UNC-Appy State and wow. North Carolina State-East Carolina. We're just getting started. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hope everyone's enjoying your Labor Day. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. There's one thing about the Utah loss to Florida that I think is going to be hard for me to forget come December whenever we announce the college football playoff. So consider this. Utah football, a program fully loaded, high expectations, they're back. Kyle Whittingham, the longest-tenured coach currently in the Pac-12. He's in his 18th season at the helm of the Utah program. You've got Cameron Rising, who enters the season with lofty expectations, both, both individually and what that offense should be capable of. They have a defense who can get after it. And they're a team with college football playoff aspirations that remain out there for them. And they had the ball in the four-yard line with a chance to win the game on the road in the swamp in the closing seconds. Against Florida who got their new coach just a few months ago, a quarterback in Anthony Richardson who made his first start in the swamp Saturday night, and a Gators team that entered the season unranked. So the Pac-12's best, the hype around the Pac-12's best, went on the road and lost to an unranked SEC opponent. It was a prove-it moment for Utah. And they get beat in a solid debut from Florida's new head coach and first-time starter at the Swamp quarterback in Anthony Richardson that everyone was clamoring for last year. It's a statement made by Florida, but it's also a statement made by Utah to me because this is a Florida team that's not Alabama or Georgia. This is a Florida team that is about to go through the same SEC gauntlet that every SEC team practically goes through. That loss will look worse in December than it does and the feeling does right now because Florida's going to lose some games here. You're absolutely they're going right. to go through and they're going to win some games. They won Saturday when no one's predicting them to, really. But they may well not be Kentucky or Tennessee. They, 
that's a toss-up game. They're, they're also, you know, they've got Texas A&M. They, they've, of course, played Georgia. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a Florida team that I think will feel different in December than it does today based on the way they beat Utah. Because I think that is a statement that it, unless you're SEC or Big Ten, good luck to you, bro. Good luck. Pac-12's best just flew back across country and got, you know, got uh, not handed to them. But they got humbled. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, I don't. I don't feel uh, like the general public. That's a bad loss. I don't feel like the general public looks at Utah uh, in some glaring, uh, demoralizing statement today. But I think we look back on it a couple months from now and think, man, that that loss to Florida is really stands out because of their schedule. That's how we're going to compare them now, is to a, a mid-tier SEC team. Yeah, well, they should look at, it, at them that way based on what you're saying. Seven in the country versus a middle But how much do we care about preseason SEC rankings? Team? Well, I mean, you know, it's, Florida's going to be ranked when the rankings come out. Well, I mean, Jack, now... Like, but still, what we does regard it, what them does it as matter? lesser well, than here's why, how many SEC here's teams. Here's why it matters, because Utah can lose to Florida that way and they're still in the college football playoff mix because of their preseason ranking. Meanwhile, Oregon has no business being a top 25 team now, and they're about to plummet when these things come out. Well, so here's, here's why I asked that question, because do we think that Florida's not one of the top 25 teams in America right now? No, they're one of the top 25 teams in America, but do they have any chance to go to the college football playoff? I would say well, probably again, not. Though, but that's, and but, Utah but still does, maybe. It's about how you're ranking the teams. Everybody looks at it differently. Saying Utah is seventh in the preseason may not be saying they're the seventh best team in the country. You're putting them in that slot because you look at their schedule also and say they're the best team in the Pac-12. They're going to have a chance to play off the end of the year. Florida, we look at their schedule and say exactly what Hutton just did. Well, they're going to lose multiple games given this schedule in the SEC, which is far superior than any other conference, much notably the Pac-12. That is a joke. Well, but after let's, one let's, week, let's pause the conversation for a moment. If Florida loses four games this year, if they lose five games this year, are they a top twenty-five team? No, probably. If, if they lose four, I mean, at eight and four SEC team with that schedule, they'll probably be like twenty-fifth in the country. There are eight and four teams that finish in the top twenty-five. And if Utah just rolls through now, where are they? Absolutely, they're probably they're going to be they're going to be so the, the Pac-12 preseason champion. and the ending rankings do matter. I'm not for the preseason rankings. But would Utah be a top 10 team today if we didn't have preseason rankings? Of course no. not. It's why we shouldn't have preseason rankings. You're making my argument for me. It doesn't matter. I mean, we should rank teams after the first week. If we no, all I'm thought not, if Utah's the preseason because Utah is still viewed as a college football playoff contender, meaning they're not falling that far based on that loss. They are a college football playoff contender because they have a chance to run the table in their Power 5 conference. Okay. I mean, but, That's why. So can Central Florida. I mean... Central Florida's not in a Power 5 but, conference. But, Chad, my point is we just saw them stack up against the mid-tier team. Cincinnati, meanwhile, against another mid-tier opponent in the SEC. I'm saying mid-tier based on they could finish second to fifth based on how things play out in the SEC East and West. Um, and second would be phenomenal for Arkansas. Second would be phenomenal for Florida based on what we saw last year. But point being, like, we're, I wish that these games weighed more heavily three months from now than what they do. 
because ultimately you can get right back in the mix very fast if you're Utah without having to do all that much. Well, there shouldn't be there should not be preseason rankings for for that reason. We should wait until a week or two into the season to rank because I think Florida is going to jump into the top twenty-five now. Utah is going to plummet a bit for that road loss. But it's all about your schedule and your chances of running the table and your final record and can you win your conference. And what this proved to me is, once again, the SEC is just far better. I mean, that, that is Florida suddenly, by all the SEC prognosticators, just went from, man, they're going to struggle to get to a bowl in Billy Napier's first year to, I heard four different shows say, they're clearly the third best team in the conference. If you're picking third right now behind Bama and Georgia, it's Bama, Georgia, and then Florida. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe Utah's not good compared to mid-level SEC teams if they play them on the road. Maybe Florida is going to have a lot of losses as we move forward, and that was a bit uh, of an anomaly. Yeah, and it's a big I, jump I just don't on one play. One weekend. It's a big jump on one play, right? Uh, the game-ending play, if, if they it's complete two, it's that. It's two plays. I mean, they, they were scoring to take the lead to start at their great drive to start the second half. Their running back slips and falls on a sure touch. Then they get stuffed at the goal line. And then that play right there at the end. I mean, if those two – we could say this about any game. Those two plays don't happen, though, or one of them doesn't happen. Well, we're talking about Utah covering the spread in that game yeah, based and on same Vegas. thing with also, LSU last also, night you got a lot better feeling about LSU if if they no, uh, LSU's you know. terrible you right. see their quarterback play but you have a lot better feeling about them anyway if they beat Florida State last night and he starts out with a ugly win and you say well he builds from there well but, here's here's but we could say that if fans are butts about Utah too if Florida goes down on their opening drive they're moving it straight through them on a scripted series and they fumble Utah recovers runs it back in deep to Florida territory, and then scores the first touchdown of the game. It's why Vegas, if anyone, should do the damn preseason rankings. Uh, that would be interesting. Why do you Have think Florida poll. was a one-point underdog at home to seventh-ranked Utah's unranked? Tennessee right now is a touchdown favorite on the road at number 15 in the country. Tennessee's unranked. And that's moved four points, right? Tennessee's unranked. Now, I'm not – I don't – look, I don't know the future. I don't know what's going to happen – but I tell you who's a lot better at reading the future than people who vote in preseason polls. The algorithms in Las Vegas that look at these teams are a lot better at it. But Utah, here's why Utah is going to ultimately be fine. And Hutton, I'm with you. They should look back on that if Florida has five losses. Well, they're going to be in the playoffs if they say, win out. And say that this, this should matter. But it won't. Because what they're going to say, the argument will be they're a conference champion with one right. loss and they've won 11 straight games. With two wins over USC. And they had a tough environment and the humidity and guys were throwing up and, you know, game number one is weird. That's going to be the argument for Utah at the end of the year. That's why they're still going to be in the mix. And, and look, I think Florida is better than I expected them to be this year because I think Anthony Richardson is going to be even better than I thought. I'll say this, though, about Florida's defense. Yeah. I don't think they're that great. I think because Utah snaps the ball with one second on the play clock every time is the only thing that slowed them down. They were running it at will. When they play action, they were throwing it at will. Florida's defense is going to give up some points this year. That was my takeaway from that game also. That was just a weird game because I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, this thing's going to be under three hours at the pace Utah was playing it and snapping it with, was running it that much, snapping it with one on the play clock every time. You don't Richardson see that that often. Was, was excellent. Let me, well, yeah. let me say this for Utah also. 
I like when there's a variation in play across college football with different systems. It was actually weirdly refreshing to watch a team line up with seven offensive linemen at times and just milk the clock and run the ball with the power that Utah ran it against Florida. Um, Not always the most appealing to the eye, but when everyone now seems to be spreading it out and playing some form of tempo, it was sort of fun watching that throwback style. Let's see them against UT for the two extreme extremes. Yes. Um, We already knew Anthony Richardson was a really good athlete and that he could run the football, but he is a, a physical runner under Billy Napier. They are going to have an identity with this offense. Um, they are not going to get pushed around. I, I was harping on it last week. Utah is extremely physical at the point of attack, and Florida did a great job in this game. I thought the, bet, the, the biggest drive of the game for me, for Florida, came late in the second quarter where they scored on a four-play drive that covered like 80 yards. It was like 78 to 80 yards. And they had been outplayed to that point. They trailed by six points. And on the drive, Richardson completed two passes for 29 and then had a, a 45-yard touchdown run that gave the Gators the, the halftime lead. That, to me, was the possession of the game for Florida outside of what happened at the very end where Utah's got the ball. They, they have it first and goal with 30 seconds left. At minimum, you've got to get that to, to overtime. But uh, whenever they took over with, what was it, a minute and a half left, I'm thinking Utah's going down there to score. And that's just based on what we saw from Florida's defense throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, I I thought – the last thing I thought they were going to do was that Cam Rising was going to throw an ill-advised – make an ill-advised decision and throw a pick to end the game. I thought they were just going to attempt to run it (laughs) into the end zone and not even bother throwing it at that point. And if not, you kick the field goal quickly. Um, I expected the throw Daniels made last night for LSU in a similar situation. He, by the way, he got away with one on that drive to Ventrell Miller for Florida, who just dropped it, where he just didn't see the linebacker drop yeah. back and, and read the route and came back and should have had it. It would have been a pick six if he stays on his feet. Um, so he, he got away with one and then didn't in the end. Last night, LSU falls to Florida State and what was a fun game. I mean, for all of the, the mistakes, it was also immediately followed up by miraculous p- plays. We're looking at it through the lens of the SEC perspective with the special teams gaffes for, for, <laughs> for LSU. But at the same time, like it was a really good job of special teams play by Florida State in that game. Yeah. Uh, the blocks are phenomenal pieces of, of kick blocking work to get off the edge and get into the backfield as quickly as they did. Um, I mean, it was a blur. ESPN had a hell of a time identifying the, the, the player on the second one. Took a long time. Um, Joe Tessitore is really good. That's one of my takeaways, too. Just He's really good at college game. football. Yeah. yeah. yeah he was correct. an epic disaster on yeah. Monday Night Football. His uh, partner also – a VFL didn't help him in his tenure on Monday Night Football either. But he's really good in those moments of, of calling college football games. Um, the transfer rule, to me, is for guys like Jared Verse of Florida State. What a great story. Kid goes to Albany. He crushes it. And then everyone in America wants him. He chooses Florida State over Tennessee. And in game one at Florida State, in the dome against LSU, he dominates. Blocks a kick. Has sacked. I mean, he was great in that game in game one. That to me is the cool part about it is you move up from that level 
and you go into a big marquee game at Florida State, and you can immediately shine. Pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I looked him up last night, watching him, um, thinking, when is this kid going to be in the NFL? Because He's you, you could great. tell. Um, Daniels had nine incompletions, but it felt like he was very scattered all night. And it felt like he did whenever he was playing for Arizona State. Right? Like, just kind of... Up and down. I, not even up and down. Just It was just not, not, no rhythm. It, even whenever they would complete a pass, you just felt like it was just kind of scattered. And that, that to me, it, like, uh, LSU does not have a quarterback. I come out of that game thinking they do not have a quarterback. They may not have their top receiver in Kayshawn Bouti. Uh, what's, there was so, a fake tweet making the rounds hard this morning. So the uh, about him leaving the, the, from Brad McMurphy. Yeah. The um, the talk last night. He has uh, deleted all of his mentions of LSU on Instagram. The talk last night was if you are Kayshawn Bouti, you you give the peace sign the same way Antonio Brown did whenever he <laughs> he peace left out. the field. He's like. After seeing this first quarter play from, from Jaden Daniels, here is here's the wide receiver reaction. I mean, look, if, if you, I saw a lot of those arguments last night too, and today, people making those arguments just really hate Brian Kelly. That's the, my first takeaway from it. If you want a kid to quit one after game one in. game because he had two catches and they lost the game just just because he can and to transfer somewhere else, you really yeah. hate. Brian Kelly, and you want that guy away from Brian Kelly in LSU. Uh, on Daniels, his quickness surprised me. I thought that was a plus side. Um, his ability to elude and make something happen with his legs was a little better than I expected. The shakiness in the passing game was exactly what I expected based on what I saw. Inconsistency from Arizona State. Hey, and let's get the officiating down at the end of that game. Okay, his knee is down. The ball's gonna. The clock's gonna start on on the snap. Yeah, but it didn't. It's two seconds. Well, but they, they it was. They still botch it then. What they were discussing. I was listening to the radio broadcast of this. I hope it was better. Um, the description. So what they were trying to figure out was based on a, an old rule, if the knees down, and you they're reviewing it, and the clock would have continued to run. The game's over. It's a 10 second. And instead, kill. they came back and announced that LSU was going to have one more play on the snap. So, yeah, it did start the snap, but it, it should have it just been, been run off. Based on the description of the old run, and then the, the official, I think, was confirming what he was about to announce is accurate. It took entirely too long. I mean, that was 15 minutes, it felt yeah. like. So, for one play that would, the game was riding on. I mean, if they wanted to milk it out to make people sit there for 15 minutes to see the final play of a, of a big ending, bravo. But that is unforgivable that it takes that long. So, because Brian Kelly had his team out there over the ball at the spot ready to snap it, thinking they were going to yeah. run it. Was it because, did Florida State have to call a timeout to challenge? Well, the, the explanation I heard was, Yes. Because Florida State called a timeout to challenge when when the play clock when the the play clock went down if he was down in bounds he was down with one second left they get one play because of that timeout if they just would have ruled it properly they wouldn't have had time to snap it because it would have gone on the well, ready and the clock would have gone too. out it was a rule to first down right. so the clock would have stopped to reset the change it goes on the ready right. so they reset it and then right and, when he blows the whistle you got to snap it. Basically, take it from the ref and snap it if you're going to get it off in time. There's no way they do that. In time. No, 
But based on but, I, I, but you see my point that the play should if they got it right on the field, Florida State really got screwed in this whole deal because yes. they should have gotten it right. Then and they then should have, have reviewed it. Then they should have reviewed it. They could have upstairs at any point. They didn't. They had to burn a timeout to review it. And then because of that, they got the free play instead of even just, yeah, we reviewed it and the ball will start, the clock will start on the ready. And then we have a mad scramble for LSU going to the line, seeing if they can snap it. Well, away. LSU still would have been ready for that if they were reviewing it because they realized yeah, the Mike situation. Yeah, Mike Norvell should have never challenged. Yeah, because what's to be gained? Then the game's over if they get the call right. Right, but, but they, they, didn't they get it should right. have gotten it right. They had but already the, stopped the clock and said he was out no, of bounds. No, but I, I'm saying you don't challenge. It took that, that break allowed LSU to draw so up everything, have every scenario ready. He, he uh, Norvell called timeout and then regretted it in the moment. If you go back and watch him, he, he looked at the personnel on the field that his defense was going to be matched up with. And as soon as he called timeout, he realized he was going to have the personnel to match them the way he wanted to. And he quickly. immediately regretted calling the timeout because it allowed LSU to get their stuff together, and they end up scoring there. Now, all, mo- all things okay point. because of the extra point. But again, I thought Norvell was was worse last night than Brian Kelly in many instances. Yeah, he was. He, he's lucky. Uh, that's a program that has not been lucky in his time there at times. They were very lucky last night. I would just really like for the guy that's standing right there Watching the, the, the watching the receiver go down and play to get it right, and to you know first down, but then roll the clock because he didn't get out of bounds. I would like instead them of just, just blowing to, the play dead to not stop the clock for first down. Oh, I'm fine with that. It, it leads for great excitement. There was too long of a, a review. I, I will agree with that. So now um, LSU goes. Back to the drawing board. They're, they have Southern this week, a very difficult opponent, Chad, in Southern. Uh, they will face Mississippi State in two weeks. Here is Brian Kelly uh, discussing what the, the Tigers last night, in his mind, uh, did well at the Superdome. What we did well is we battled. Proud of the way we battled. What obviously we need to do better is play with a sense of urgency for four quarters, which we did not. What we learned is we've got to coach better. I mean, we, we've got to have our kids coached in, in a manner where they're ready, and, and I'm accountable for that. And that was, even at halftime, he was like, well, this is not, we've got holes. He said that in the, uh, the postgame presser last night. We've got too many holes. I thought he was good uh, accepting, you know, fault for what wasn't right in that game. I, I just come away from that game. I come away from the Florida-Utah game and the LSU-Florida State game with very different opinions of the direction of that team the remainder of the season. I think Florida is going to be better than I expected coming in. I think LSU is going to be worse than even I I expected. Remember last year when Florida State played that wild Sunday night game against Notre Dame? They lost a heartbreaker in overtime and then followed that up with losses to Jacksonville State. Yep. Wake Forest and Louisville. Well, now they have two weeks to prepare for Louisville on September 16th, which is a Friday night. So they don't have that uh, emotional letdown, and they're coming off of a, a, a fantastic win based on the circumstances of last night. And Jordan Travis of Florida State started slow, but I thought really picked things up on some those possessions, those final three possessions. Really good job overall by him. 
uh, especially in that second half. By the way, Louisville um, is not good. They lost 31-7 to to Syracuse in their opener. So looking like uh, a good odds for a 3-0 and start for Mike Norvell after an 0-4 start a year ago. Coming up, more college football discussion on OutKick 360. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Worse than that, I don't think. I mean, it's my first game. Maybe we can. There's Brian Kelly last night, and the loss to Florida State. Oh, there will be, <laughs> there will be worse. It's got, uh, better competition. We go, let's go through the schedule. <laughs> I mean, Brian, have you have you looked at the the SEC schedule ahead of you? Yeah. Florida State is not going to be one of the better opponents on the schedule. Arkansas beat Cincinnati 31-24. Broad thoughts for me on this, guys. K.J. Jefferson's going to be in the Heisman conversation. He counted for all four Arkansas touchdowns. Very much in control. Efficient, efficient, efficient. That's his game. Through the air and on the ground. Arkansas, uh, I, I think I, I also learned Cincinnati can retool. Yeah. And they're very well coached. But Arkansas was tougher. They're more physical. They ran for 111 yards more than Cincinnati. And what I learned about Cincinnati is of all of the guys that they lost, I think, and this may sound crazy, I think they're going to miss Jerome Ford the most, running back, fifth-round pick from Cleveland, because last year he was their go-to player out of the backfield. And without him, I did not see a running back that flashed against a premier defensive front as I'm looking through their schedule. So I, I think that stands out to me. And I was looking for someone to to take over the Traylon Burks role. They threw it to six different players for at least uh, a 10-yard completion in this game. Trey Knox, though, is going to end up being, I think, the the bell cow of the receiving game out of the tight end position. How many premier defensive fronts will Cincinnati see? Cincinnati's going to be just fine in the AAC yeah. in this final year in that conference. I mean, that, that, that was one of my takeaways, too, was watching them. I was very impressed how they, they reloaded. I mean, I, I thought... Arkansas handled the game, and it was it was always in their control. I thought Arkansas would win by 17, 21 points in that game because of what Cincinnati lost. I think Luke Fickle showed this is a program here to stay, and they're going to remain relevant, so good for him on that. And K.J. Jefferson, I put him and Anthony Richardson in the category of when you watch them play, if it's your team playing them, just getting to them is not enough. It's like a wrestling match. They're so big and strong – you're thinking, oh, now can you get them down? Can you get them to make a bad throw? Because just getting around them isn't going to do the trick. 
It could take two guys to bring them down. They're that tough uh, running the ball, that tough in the pocket even to get down for a sack. Very impressed. Trey Knox from Blackman High School in Murfreesboro. Nice transition from big wide receiver to pass catching tight end uh, for Arkansas. He looked good in that game. Yeah, and so now we've got what? Florida's got Kentucky. Big game. And Arkansas has South Carolina now off of what we saw last weekend. Two of the more disappointing teams that I watched quite a bit of their games over the weekend in the SEC, Texas A&M won. I still don't understand what they're doing on offense with all the talent they have. I, I, I don't get it. It was a very underwhelming performance against an FCS opponent. And the other one was Kentucky. I mean, they're, they're tied at halftime with Miami of Ohio. They stretched it out in that second half, but it was a shaky performance. And without Rodriguez That's their issue. in the backfield, he is their bell cow, and he's not going to be there for Florida. So that, that game got a lot tougher. 26 carries for 50 total yards. Nice average there. And they didn't have a single carry of those 26 tries that resulted in a play of 10 yards or more. So they weren't getting any explosion from their run game without Rodriguez. And then the, the other one, and we'll get to all of the SEC in kind of a, a recap segment later in the show. Ole Miss, I, I think Kiffin felt like Jackson Dart was going to be way better than what he was in a game-like situation. So much so that Kiffin is now going to start Altmeyer this coming week. Yeah, he, he's, he's a quick-trigger guy. Only two teams did not cover in the SEC in the opening weekend, Ole Miss being one of them. Against Troy and LSU. Well, and uh, I thought Texas A&M was 31 and a half, right? Oh, sorry. No, yeah, you're right. Now, I, I thought you were getting I to saw, No, no, I saw that stat. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Hutton. I need to bring that up later in a parlay that missed by a half a point. I had Texas A&M minus 30 and a half. 30 and a half. 31 and a half for 30. I think they won like 31 to nothing. 31 others. It was 31 and a half. 31 and a half. And it would have been a parlay at the end that would have won. And they won 31 uh, to nothing. Now, I did not have betting success now this that, weekend. The, the, whatever stat I read could have been pulling from a different sports book is probably what happened. But going into LSU last night, the only team to not cover uh, all week in the SEC was Ole Miss against Troy. There was free money on the table, gentlemen. <laughs> we should have gone all in on Georgia to cover. Oh, I know. Favored by 17, and they win by 46. They 46. are so... That's Good. that old school Hutton double the spread game. Oh man, I mean that—that that is embarrassing, though. <laughs> Dan Lanning probably wants his job back in Athens after that game. Georgia is elite. We will—we'll uh, get to the Bulldogs, the Crimson Tide, the Buckeyes, and more. Plus NFL headlines going into Week One on Outkick 360 on this great Labor Day. <laughs> 